My name is Mel. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, my husband, Simon, and I also run kids. And I tell you what, I can't guarantee they're going to come back clean today. But I can guarantee that they're having some fun out there with paint and Coke and Mentos and a few other bits and pieces. Hey, that is good. And I've got four kids. And shout out to my son, Zach, down here. Because see, Simon's not here because he's out with kids. And so he's, he loves to stay in when I preach. And oh, mama's heart. It's pretty gorgeous. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome. We have been doing this soundtrack of summer series, right? Have we been loving it? I kind of feel like it's our best one yet. Volume three. I feel like we, um, which is good, because, you know, compilation albums you, or best of albums, you don't want them to get worse as they go on. So I feel like we've been stepping it up. We've had some great messages from Pastor Darren and Pastor Simo and Pastor Jez. And if you've missed them, you really do need to go back and listen to them on our podcast, because uh, they will encourage your soul. Hey, but I do love compilation albums. I recently had the joy of traveling to like 14 hour car trips in the space of six days with my family. So that's like 28 hours worth of soundtrack listening. I value compilation albums because my family are pretty good, but my youngest loves Parry Grip. Has anybody heard it, parents? Am I the only parent that is subjected? <laughs> All right, you listen to it, but don't, don't tell your kids about it. The worst, and it plays, like we have a rule in our car, they get like one playlist which goes for about 40 minutes. Um, but it does remind me of my childhood because we didn't have playlists. There wasn't compilation albums unless you'd made a tape, right? And so my brother and sister and I would go on these car trips and you'd get one side of the tape. And my brother would subject us to like one side of vanilla ice. Hands up if you liked vanilla ice. I feel like Vanilla Ice only had one song that people recognised and then the rest of the album was pointless. Um, but, sorry if you are a fan, but my sister and I would get back at him because we would both choose Amy Grant. So then he had to sit through two sides of the Amy Grant tape. Um, so, look, I, I do value as a parent that we now get a little bit of variety. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about soundtracks in this series, what we're actually talking about is the internal soundtrack, right? We've been looking at what is the internal soundtrack that you are listening to because they're really important. Like, they, they completely shape our lives. They shape our values. They shape our beliefs. They shape, you know, the things, the actions and, and behaviours that come out of us, what we're listening to, the loops that we can get stuck in, like Pastor Simo said, they're really, really valuable. Because the truth is, you don't get to live in a world of silence. As much as I would like to, there are soundtracks that are playing around you all the time that you don't actually get to choose to turn off, but you can choose not to allow them in. You can choose not to allow them to shape your world, and that's what we've been looking at. But I actually want to take us on a slightly different track today. You know, here is in the compilation album, we're getting that slightly different song just to shake it up a little bit, because what goes in has to come out. And, you know, Pastor Jez touched a little bit last week on our soundtrack of praise that we could choose to speak praise. Um, but I want us to look at today... The fact that we are actually responsible for the soundtrack that comes out of us. 
Okay, and just as we are influenced by the soundtracks around us, we also influence others. And I want us to look specifically, actually, at a, um, a specific context today. But, you know, we absolutely influence others in our soundtracks. Like, you'll be shocked to know this, but I can be quite grumpy. Zach, can I be grumpy? Yeah, he's nodding. Um, and the thing is, I don't walk down our stairs and walk into our kitchen and have to announce, hey, mum's having a grumpy day. They just know. Right? And uh, who knows that getting married and having kids is the greatest character development cauldron like that, you, you know. And so I am very aware now because I see the tension that starts to happen in the family and the children that are just trying to keep mum happy because she's super grumpy today. And so I am learning to modify my external soundtrack uh, because of the influence that I see that it's having on my family and I don't want that influence. It's not a great one. So I have to choose to change the soundtrack that I am playing, right? We can always use our influence for evil or for good. And I'm going to encourage us today that we actually have an incredible privilege, but it's also a responsibility to influence the next generation in their walk with God. And we're going to look at a psalm today, which I, you know, God just brought out because I feel like it does exactly that. So if you've got your Bibles, can you turn to Psalm 78? Now, I'm the opposite to Pastor Darren. Look at my new Bible. If you remember when I preached last time, I had like my tiny little NLT Bible that I couldn't read either. So this, yeah, I've invested in a brand new NLT so that I can read from that version as well as the NIV. So we are looking at the NLT today, which is the New Living Translation. Uh, Pastor Nate's happy. Hey, Psalm 78. And we are looking at verses 1 to 8, which if you flicked there, you're going to be very grateful for because this psalm is actually 72 verses long. I think it's 72. Yep, 72 verses. So I'm not going to read the whole 72 verses today. Uh, But it's actually written by Asaph. Pastor Simo talked about Asaph. I can tell you, Pastor Simo, now who Asaph was, right? So he's, he's a worship leader in the temple. Surprised? Not really. Um, but he was known actually for writing wisdom psalms, but also prophetic psalms. And this psalm is both, right? And what he does is in these first eight verses, he like hits his point. He's like, this is the point of the whole psalm. And then in the next 64, he gives us a story, And it's a, hey, let me tell you a story when we didn't do what I just said in the first eight verses. So I want to encourage you to go home and you can read that story as a bit of an unction of, oh, yeah, that's why that point in the first eight verses is super important. All right, so let's read it together. Psalm 78, verse 1. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories that we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob and he gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them. 
even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So that each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting its glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. And then we get this 64-verse story of the Ephraimites, who are simply Joseph's descendants. That's his second son, descendants from there. And they go AWOL. Like, they go off the chart. They leave God. And they actually lose the entire incredible promise that God had over them as a generation. And I kind of go, man, how could Joseph's generation, like the generations that came after Joseph, awesome Joseph, who did, you know, had this amazing walk with God. He was so faithful and in adverse circumstances, right? And God raises him up and God does powerful things through him. How could the generations after him forget God? Because somewhere along the line, people stopped talking about those stories. They stopped telling the next generation. Maybe they just assumed that they had it. Or maybe they got super comfortable in just the way that things were. Or maybe they got distracted. And we see this whole generation lost. And I think that's why Asaph is so passionate. Like Pastor Darren said, he just read from the beginning of his psalm, which was about giving thanks. Well, the beginning of this psalm is like, hey, people, pay attention. This is super duper important. What you are about to read will actually literally change lives. Like that's the context that this scripture is in. You know, and he then gives us these two paths. I believe this scripture gives us two paths. And and this is like for us victory. We have generations in this house, next generations growing up, and there are two paths that they can take. They can either be a verse six and seven generation. So that's the generation who might know him, right? And they know God and they know what he said to do. And that's the generation that will set its hope anew. That means they've got their own hope. They have actually chosen to set their hope on God, right? And they, they don't forget about his glorious miracles, and they do what he said. Like, that's, that's one path. We can go down that side. Or there's the verse 8 generation, and then the next 64 verses, which explain what happened there. And that's the generation that will not be like their ancestors, they actually walk away. You know, one of the commentaries actually described them as, they've got this feeling of religion because they grew up in it, but their hearts are actually not on fire for God. So they kind of think that they were, but actually they weren't. And they went on this path that was well away from God. And I believe there's such a key message for us as parents, but also as a collective church. Because we get to invest in this next generation. And I often hear people lamenting the world that kids and youth are walking into. Like, oh, it's so hard. It's messy. It's broken. It's like dark. And I get it because I've got four kids walking into it. And I see the things that they have to grapple with at such a young age that they should not have to grapple with. It is. It's broken. Really, really messy. But you know what? We don't lament it because the thing is we have hope in Jesus. Jesus is not actually surprised by the world that our kids are entering into. And because we have a hope in Jesus, 
we are actually not at the whim of this world, right? I heard this incredible Instagram from Pastor Phil um, yesterday, and he was talking about Ezekiel 37. And he said, you know what? God took this prophet Ezekiel and he put him in a valley with dead bones. He's like, God is going to put you in bad places. Get used to it. Because, because... You are meant to prophesy life and bring life to those places. Don't be surprised that there is a broken and messy world out there that our next generation are heading into. It will be broken until Jesus comes back. But the thing is, they are not walking into that world like unprepared if we, as the generations who come before them, actually set them up. To walk into that and to do the very things that God has called them to do. I feel like I just preached my message in a minute. Did you get it? <laughs> I'm passionate about this. And you might say, oh, Mel, you're just passionate about this because you guys just took on Victory Kids. That is not the reason I'm preaching this message. I was passionate about this well before I took on Victory Kids. But absolutely did we take on Victory Kids because I'm going to do whatever it takes to build into this next generation. Because they are important. In church, we have a richness and an incredible depth. But we cannot assume that the next generation have it. And that's the two paths that are set before us right now. I feel like this is a prophetic word that God is dropping on us as a church and as parents. We cannot assume There's some real awesome tangible things in this psalm that we can do, and that's what we're going to talk about today. There's this absolutely collective call for all of us. So if you don't have kids, or if your kids are growing up and gone, can I ask you, engage? Because this is absolutely for you. We live, we, like church is the best community. We've lost this whole value of a village, right? But church is this family where me as a parent, I'm not on my own because I have other people around me, generations that have gone before me that walk alongside me in my journey of like literally raising the next generation. So we all have a part to play in this. You know, as I was preparing for this, I I got another gardening picture. I find this super interesting because I've told you before I'm not a gardener. But one thing I have learnt about my gardening capacity, right, is that I am the gardener that goes for minimal input for maximum output. Okay, so I'm a smart gardener. Yes, Julie, you're hearing me? Andrew, are you minimal input for maximum output? I think it's smart. Um... So I like to learn the things that are going to save me time in the long run, right? So one thing that I have learnt is there's like this key time. When you have a new shoot, there's this very key time that you have to invest in them. And if you do it well, right? So I got my new strawberry shoots or whatever they are, blueberry bushes. And if I take the time to get that soil right and to water it and to make sure it's staked up and it's supported and it's protected from those ugly bugs and birds that we have in our backyard, if I do all those things, then the funny thing is I end up with a strong plant and it requires way less crisis care down the track. Like I don't have to keep trying to protect it and bring it back from the dead because it's strong. Right? And I want, to, I want that picture in your head 
Because we have a next generation now, but we're going to have a next generation after that and after that. And the reason this message is so important is because they are new shoots. Like if we're looking at our young adults, we're looking at our youth and we're looking at our kids, they are new, fresh, vulnerable shoots. And make no mistake, there is a competing soundtrack for their souls right now. There is so much stuff that has crept into life. I'll be honest, that has crept into church life, parenting life, values and beliefs that are not necessarily actually biblical. And it just worms its way in. And we end up playing this soundtrack that's actually really messy. And what we need is a very intentional, very godly soundtrack that these guys are listening to from all of us, consistency, authenticity, that's the key, all of us, so that it's louder and more attractive. It should be more attractive. Like, this is awesome. Being in the kingdom of God and following Jesus is the best life you could ever live. This soundtrack should be super attractive. We should be people that are on fire going, man, you don't want to look at anything else because this is the way that we get to go. Isn't this great? Like that soundtrack should be so loud. I fully remember walking into Victory 19 years ago. That's how long I've been here. I walked in as a young adult and I looked good on the outside, physically, as well as spiritually, right? I looked like I had all the goods, but I, I didn't. I was messy on the inside. I had never actually, like I'd made a decision to follow Jesus, but I, I was that person that had the feet kind of, I'll be over here on a Sunday and I'll be over here on a Monday. <laughs> I was that person. I walked into a, I'm going to call it a soundtrack of supernatural possibility in this house. And it wasn't just what happened on the stage and it wasn't just what was preached from the pulpit. It was in you. It was in the people. It was in every conversation that I had. And as a young person, I had people coming alongside me, like awesome people, and they walked life with me, and they spoke life into me. I remember going to prayer meetings with Bronnie and Pete, and I'd be praying these crazy prayers going, I don't even know what I'm praying. <laughs> but... Bronnie had had these stories of incredible answered prayer and I'm just like, her expectation and faith became my expectation and faith and I just got swept up in this possibility and I began to see God moving all because I was just in this soundtrack that was playing in this house, C3 Victory. That is who we are. That is the soundtrack that I walked into and I believe that that's what God wants to do now. Like, I believe he wants us to awaken and to recognize this key time that we have right now in this incredible next generation that sits in this house. Parents, I want to talk to you. I get it. Like, we hear this message on Sunday. We've got this sacred responsibility to raise kids. We've got to play a godly soundtrack at home. And by tomorrow afternoon, you are picking up undies off the floor. The house is a mess. You're trying to get the kids to five different activities. And suddenly, it doesn't seem so sacred. Like, I get it. I'm in that stage of life. But I learned a really important lesson last year, early last year. The Holy Spirit just put his finger on me and he said, Mel... You are just tick-boxing devotions. 
You do them every night with your kids, but they're just a checker box. And really in your heart, you're like, how fast can I get through this so that I can get downstairs and have a little bit of me time before I have to go to bed and start all over again? And the Holy Spirit said to me, Mel, you only have this time for a moment. Your kids want to hear from you. They want to share their heart and their worries. They, they are open to the influence of a godly soundtrack right now. And if you don't take it, it will close. And so now it takes me over an hour. But do you know what? Love it. Love it. I wouldn't go back and change it. I don't miss my me time because those moments that I have with my kids in devotional times have just brought God out in a way that now I see. I see them worshipping God. You know, and that's just amazing. And I have conversations with my eldest daughter who really doesn't love to open up at all, but in that space she will. And you've got to take those moments, parents. And the thing is, Our soundtrack can absolutely get lost in the noise of life. But this whole series is about the fact that you get to change it. You have to make a choice to change it. If there is not this godly soundtrack playing through your home, then you have to actually make a very deliberate and intentional choice to change it. And it might start with one thing, like devotions. Or it might start with one thing, like how you start your mornings. Whatever it is, just start to change the soundtrack. And rest of church, this is why we need you. Because we are picking up undies seven days a week, right? And we are running our kids around to a million things. And golly gosh, don't we love it when our kids come into church and they're embraced. And when our youth come in here and they actually have some genuine connections with older people. You are not irrelevant. Can you hear that? You are not irrelevant. And maybe you feel like your ministry heyday was 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. It is not. It is so relevant and so needed right now. Like, I love the stories of Bruce Kay. Bruce, I see you there. I'm in the office when I hear them talking about the young men's table space that you go and speak into. And they love it. Bruce comes and he shares his story and he shares what he knows about the Bible and they love it. Now, I'm not even going to guess how many years are between you, Bruce, and them, but Bruce is so relevant to them just because he opens up his life to them. And that is what we all get to do, right? I don't know where this mindset crept into the church. I'm going to smile as I say this. I don't know where this mindset crept in of... I've done my time, now it's someone else's go. That's a world culture. I've done my time, now it's me time. That's not kingdom culture. We will invest in the next generation until we die. And we need you. We need the generations that have gone before. And I love how simple it is. Now there's so many ways we can create a soundtrack. But I love in this scripture, listen to this, verse 3, or verse, last bit of verse 2. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories that we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell 
the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and about his power and his mighty wonders. You do not need eloquent speech. They need your stories. That's all they need. They need to hear them. Like I know incredible things have happened in this house, in your lives. They need to hear them because they need to know that God is real. That God did incredible things. I was struck by this so much. We had friend over for New Year's Eve and we were sharing the story about a tune with them. Now that's a 10-year story, but when you condense it to five minutes, man, it's got a lot of miracles in it. That is a complete glory to God story. No way we could have built that thing on our own. But you know what the Holy Spirit said to me after? Is that your story, Mel? Or is that their story, as in my kids? Do my kids know that story so much that it's their story that they will actually have the confidence to go for even greater buildings down the track because that is now their story? And I can't think of a better example to illustrate this than my daughter Esther and her healing miracle to her head. My daughter Esther will tell you a story about a miracle healing to her skull as if she remembers it. The thing is, she was six months old at the time. She's got no idea. But when she was four days old, I I dropped her. She fell out of my arms. And I was so mortified that I never told anybody, bar, you know, a couple of people. And she had a skull fracture from the centre of her head down to her ear, a hairline fracture. And thank goodness there was no, like, damage from the fall. But what actually it meant is that a baby's skull is increasing, like it's growing. And because she had that fracture, the concern was that the fracture would grow faster than the skull should. And so by her first birthday, she'd have to have major surgery to put that fracture back together. If you look at my daughter Esther, she has a bigger head than would probably be accepted or expected, sorry, for her age. Because for the first four months after that fracture, her head was growing way too fast. That skull fracture was splitting. And then one day in church, we're just sitting there and Bronnie McQuillan, gosh, I love you. She just walks up to us and she goes, I don't, I don't know what this means. I hadn't told Bron. <clears throat> she just walks up to us and goes, I just saw this fire of God coming down from heaven and landing on Esther's right side of her skull and going back up to heaven again. And I don't know what that means. And Simon and I just looked at each other and went, well, we know exactly what that means. And from then on, when we went to the specialist, her skull never grew again. Right, it was completely miraculously healed. And Esther will tell you that story. They are the stories. I remember her kindy teacher came to me, her kindy teacher, and she's like, I've got to tell you this story that Esther told me. And she rattles off this whole story about the healing. She goes, I'm I'm just not sure, but it's just, it sounds too crazy to have been made up. And I was just honestly staggered. I'm like, oh no, that's totally true. And wow, how awesome are kids that they'll just tell the story, like not even thinking about social implications or whatever, not right? She owns that story. That's what the next generation near need from us, right? C3 Victory, what are your stories? What are the stories that we need to hear? You are sitting on stories. You are sitting on stories of the power of God of things that He has done. I don't know all your stories. I want to know your stories. This next generation absolutely need to know your stories because I believe 
that one of the enemy's greatest tools right now is assumption. This house has an incredible richness. Like we are blessed, church. We have got people that have followed God for years and have seen incredible, mighty, powerful works. We are rich. We are deep. Some of you have done ministry back in young adults or maybe you've, I don't know, done ministry to kids in the past or you've done prayer ministry, you've done mission ministry. You guys have stories. And I just sense the Holy Spirit is saying we need to hear them. Like we need to create a soundtrack in this house where when our youth and our kids walk through the door, they are so embraced that what they hear spoken to them and about them is just all about the glorious deeds of God. They need to know over and over again that God is good and God is real and God has a plan for them and God has a purpose for them. And I believe there is incredible power in our stories. And I believe that right now we're sitting at the crossroads of those paths. And that's why the Holy Spirit is saying, don't assume. Don't assume they know. Don't assume because they're sitting in a Christian family that they know. Don't assume that you are irrelevant and that you are no longer needed and that it's someone else's job. It's all of us, church.